We're in an exciting time here. We started a new series called The Lead. We're talking about three leaders in particular. We talked about Joshua and what a leader he was, right? Those walls of Jericho came down. The, Joshua didn't tear them down. As Seth said last week, God's hand tore those walls down, right? But Joshua was willing to heed the call. This week, we're going to talk about another ordinary man that heard the call and did an extraordinary deed. And Dave Stowe is going to come to us today and talk about Ezra and the team approach. Dave? Thank you, guys. Thank you. So I have to tell you that when Michael called me and asked me to speak this morning, you know, I was, I was honored. I was, you know, it was, it's really always a, a great opportunity to come and stand before you guys. And, uh, and then he said, yeah, I want you to speak on Ezra. And I was like, who? <laughs> I mean, I, I knew Michael had some, you know, kind of, you know, he was not too sure about me, but, uh, you know, Ezra. And, and then, uh, then they make the announcement that we're kind of closing out this kind of uh, thing of, of uh, Band of Brothers. And I was like, okay. So he, he wants me to speak on this guy I've never even heard of before. Uh, he wants me to speak towards the end, like, you know, not that I'm not already the end, you know, as a funeral director. And then he tells me that the week before I speak, we're going to have Seth here. Oh, yeah, everybody wants to follow the senior pastor, you know, in speaking to it. But, uh, so I, you know, I... I knew when I gave this job, it was a huge undertaking. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I would be the last guy to let you down, Mike. <laughs> so, do, do we want to keep going with this? Because, you know, <laughs> anyway, so I, uh, I've really been excited about uh, some of the things that I've gone over and I've learned and, and refreshed myself with uh, to speak to you tonight, so, or this morning. So, I, I you know, I, I kind of felt bad because I, I actually even saw Seth last Thursday night, and I said, so, uh, uh, yeah, you did a great job Wednesday morning, and he goes, yeah, and, you, and you're speaking next week, and I said, yeah, I, I expect to see you there, but I don't see him, so, but, because uh, I, I really thought he'd appreciate this, you know, a, a few years ago, we experienced, in the history of Philadelphia, one of the greatest Super Bowls that ever took place, you know, when, when the invincible New England Patriots and crybaby Brady um, came and took on the lowly Philadelphia Eagles. And, uh, you know, when I mention that game, I'm sure the uh, players come to your mind, you know, like Brandon Graham and Zach Ertz and, of course, St. Nick Foles, okay? But, you know, the real story of that Super Bowl comes down to one guy that if it weren't for him, the Super Bowl could have been very different. And that's a guy that you probably never even thought about. His name is Nelson Aguilar. Uh, Nelly played in 108 NFL games up to that Super Bowl. 
and he had caught nine passes in one game in his career, and it just happened to be a Super Bowl that he was in. Only seven wide receivers have ever caught more passes in a Super Bowl. But what makes the story of Nelson Aguilar legendary is what he did in the game, uh, the game-winning drive at the end of that game. With four minutes and 52 seconds left in the game, the Eagles were down by one point to the mighty New England Patriots. And on a fourth down play, Nick Foles hit Ertz and gave the Eagles a first down on their own 48-yard line. A short run by Blunt, and here's the Eagles' next three plays. Foles to Nelson for 10 yards and a first down. Foles to Nelson for 18 yards and a first down. Foles to Nelson for 10 yards and another first down. Three plays, three completions, three first downs, 38 yards, moving the ball in the final minutes of the game down into Eagles territory to the Patriots' 14-yard line. The only time in Aguilar's career that he had three first down catches on the same drive, let alone in a row. He's had fewer than 38 yards in more than half of his career games, 62 of 108. But he picked up 38 yards, three crucial first downs in the span of three plays on a game-winning drive in the fourth quarter of a Super Bowl that was capped by a miracle touchdown catch by Ertz to win the game and beat the mighty New England Patriots. But none of this would have happened if it wasn't for Nelson Aguilar and his three catches. I would call that an unsung hero. And today we're going to talk about an unsung hero of the Old Testament. And his name is Ezra. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. And Lord, we give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. Father, we ask that you open up our minds and our hearts to receive your word and your message for this morning as we study your servant, Ezra. In your precious name, amen. So as we heard last week from this guest speaker that came in here, um, the Israelites, under the leadership of Joshua, took the city of Jericho and began to possess the promised land. Okay, the land of milk and honey. But the story goes on from there over the course of the next 700 years that they began to once again turn away from God. You know, thinking about this, the demise of a culture doesn't just happen. It happens slowly and steadily from one generation to the next as we turn our eyes away from the Lord. Sounds familiar, doesn't it, guys? They wind up becoming a divided nation, the North and the South. 
not to be confused with the left and the right. The northern kingdom of Israel falls to the Assyrians, and then Judah falls to the Babylonians. And for 70 years, as was foretold by the prophets, Judah would remain in exile until the Babylonians fall to the Persians. And then once again, God begins to work his power over the minds and the hearts of the kings of Persia to allow the Israelites to return to their land and rebuild what was completely destroyed by the Babylonians. It starts with King Cyrus of Persia, who commands a guy by the name of Zerubbabel to take a remnant of Israel back to the land and rebuild the temple of the Lord. Later on, that fellow by the name of Nehemiah would take over and under his leadership, the people would complete the renovations and build the walls around the city and return Jerusalem to where it is today. But in between those two great men, there was a guy by the name of Ezra, a scribe, a prophet, and actually a descendant from a line of great leaders. Now, let me put this in a little bit of context. A scribe is basically an educated and well-versed individual in carefully and methodically reproducing the scriptures, giving detail to every stroke of the letter for an exact copy. They didn't have Xerox back then. HP wasn't around. So it was the responsibilities of the scribes to take the original scrolls and to begin to transfer that information letter by letter, stroke by stroke. One little change in any of the characters could completely change the entire meaning of the scripture. Ezra was a scribe. He was a prophet. One definition of a prophet that I found says a person regarded as an inspired teacher or proclaimer of the will of God. So Ezra was very well connected, not only to studying God and being God, but hearing God. And then, of course, finally, Ezra was a direct descendant of Aaron, the chief priest of the people of Israel. It's Ezra who comes on the scene during a time when the remnant of Israel under Zerubbabel had started to falter and kind of get tired and, I don't know if we're ever going to finish this job. Ezra comes on to complete the task, but not only complete the task, makes unbelievable strides in their faith. We would call it today revival. And you know, revival doesn't just happen. Revival takes the hand of God. So, how does he seem to do it? Well, if you have your Bibles with you, open up to Ezra. We're going to look at the seventh chapter of Ezra. And we're going to look in the beginning, just the first ten, ten verses. Uh, you can stand if you want with me, or you can stay where you are. 
But here's what the Bible says, what Ezra says in chapter 7. After these things, during the reign of Artaxerxes, king of Persia, Ezra, okay, here we go, son of Shalom, the son of Zadok, the son of Ahitab, the son of Amariah, the son of Azariah, the son of Meraloth, the son of Zerahiah, the son of Uzi, the son of Buk, the son of Abishu, the son of Phinus, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the chief priest. This Ezra came up from Babylon. He was a teacher well-versed in the law of Moses, which the Lord, the God of Israel, had given. The king had granted him everything he asked for, for the hand of the Lord his God was on him. Some of the Israelites, including priests, Levites, singers, gatekeepers, and temple servants, also came up to Jerusalem in the seventh year of King Artaxas. Ezra arrived in Jerusalem in the fifth month of the seventh year of the king. He had begun his journey from Babylon on the first day of the first month, and he arrived in Jerusalem on the first day of the fifth month, for the good hand of his God was on him. For Ezra had devoted himself to the study and observance of the law of the Lord and to teaching its decrees and laws in Israel. Thank you. You can be seated. So as I said, God began to work in the hearts of the kings of Persia. And in this example, King Artaxerxes gets in his heart the idea that he needs to send Ezra. So Ezra takes a remnant of the people of Israel, 2,000 of them, on a five-month journey across the desert and back to the Promised Land. A couple things here I don't want you to miss. We're in the seventh chapter of Ezra. Now, I don't know about you, but if I wrote a book called David, I probably wouldn't wait till chapter 7 to mention myself, but not Ezra. Ezra takes the first six chapters to talk about Zerubbabel and the remnant of Israel coming back to the Promised Land. I would kind of call that humility. Then he goes on to talk about bringing the people back. And he mentions a five-month journey with 2,000 people that he's over. This is a scribe and a prophet, not a king and a leader. But through his strength and his leadership, they make that trip, they come back to Israel, and they not only complete the construction of the temple of the God, but Ezra leads the people into a revival that reunites those two remnants of Israel and strengthens their resolve to serve the Lord, to praise His holy name, and with thanksgiving 
follow in obedience his commandments. In fact, at the end of the chapter, in Ezra 7, 27 and 28, Ezra says, Praise be to the Lord, the God of our ancestors, who has put it in the king's heart to bring honor to the house of the Lord in Jerusalem in this way, and who has extended his good favor to me before the king and his advisors and the king's powerful officials, because the hand of the Lord my God was on me, I took courage and gathered leaders from Israel to go up with me. Ezra's a really humble guy, but he knows where his strength comes from. He's not a trained leader, but he's able to accompany these 2,000 people. I mean, I would say that if I was to come to you and try to get 2,000 of the members of Fellowship Alliance to follow me on a five-month journey across the country to California, I don't know if I'd get anywhere near 2,000, let alone two, okay? Ezra's truly an unsung hero, and his role in returning the Israel's, Israelites to the Promised Land rejuvenates the construction of the temple, reunites the two remnants into one body of people of God that becomes Israel. It becomes the, the nation of Israel and the Jewish community that we know of today. In fact, so respected was Ezra with those people. And I thought, you know, when I found this, I was like kind of blown away. Nehemiah comes onto the scene, and Nehemiah leads the people in the completion of the city with a wall. And in Nehemiah, in the eighth chapter, they finish the wall, and they come to a time of celebration. So Nehemiah 8, verse 1, and also 4 and 5, tells us that when the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people assembled as one man in the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. I jumped to five and six. You're going to appreciate this, guys. And Ezra the scribe stood on a high wooden platform. Okay? Built for the occasion. Because him, beside him, on his right stood Marathiah, Shema, Ananiah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Padiah, Mishael, Malachi, Hashem, Hashendambong, Zechariah, and Meshulam. And Ezariah opened the book, and all the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened the book, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, 
And all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen and Amen. And then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Word of God. And they stood up. Sounds familiar, doesn't it, guys? Because revival had come to the Israelites in the form of a lowly scribe and prophet because the hand of the Lord was upon him. God gets the glory, men. God provides the way. God opens the doors. The battle is the Lord's, not us, not ours. God gave Ezra the strength and the courage to be the leader that he was. Ezra was a man that devoted himself to the study and observance of the law of the Lord and to teaching its decrees and laws to the people. God used Ezra to lead a revival in the hearts of the people of Israel. Where's God today? Where's God right now in this room? in the hearts of His people. Let's pray, guys. Heavenly Father, we come to You this morning. What a lesson, Lord. A man that devoted his life to Your Word, to learning, to obeying, and then to teaching. Father, sounds so familiar to a position that we're in right now here at this church, Fellowship Alliance. And because of your strength and the fact that your hand was upon him, revival came to the people of Israel. Father, we pray for revival for the people of Fellowship Alliance, for the people in Medford, Mount Laurel, Medford Lakes, and Southampton, and all the communities around us. We pray for revival in our nation, Lord. And we realize that Revival is not going to come on the wings of Air Force One. Revival comes from You, the Lord. Bring us revival, Lord, and allow us to be a part of it, if it be Your will. In Your precious name, amen.